everyone, and welcome to episode 645 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, feel like our email communication game is on par this week. Yes. Uh, so Todd has broken email. Yeah, Todd has. Right. Well, I got lots of emails from me, forwarding stuff myself, back and forth. Uh, you and the inter-office communique are on the same bad server. Okay, yes. I think you have some bad, you know, internal servers. So. Mm-hmm. I should check to see if they, like, randomly just show up, like, tomorrow or whatever, you know? Right. Did you check your spam? I did check my spam. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's the first time in a long time. That either the email from work to Todd or the email from Todd to work uh, got caught up somewhere. Right, yeah. The super secret science net was was what would cast wide on me today. Yes. Remember that used to happen a lot more frequently? Yes, I do. I still think there was something you were secretly putting in your emails because I wasn't getting them. That's what mm. was happening. And I would only get them to one account, so now you double tag me. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. All because your your computer and email is the worst. That's all. Hmm. Uh, I would be hard-pressed to disagree with you. I have been having some operating issues, <laughs> uh, operating system issues at work right. the last two weeks. But, uh, again, it wouldn't be affecting. Anyway, nobody cares about super secret science work, right? Not even you. Not even me. You care about comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a double punch of Sean Murphy news, uh, especially him just, like, outright buying a classic property, yeah. which is, like, you know, pretty wild, and we'll get into that. Uh, I know you're going to be shocked by this, but there's yet another Spider-Man anniversary coming up this summer, and they're teasing yet another big storyline, Todd. Oh. Uh, and they've recently announced, and I, I, I would have to say that this is because of us. We're going to get into that. Uh, that DC has, uh, they went from very small ways to get people to continue in the print media to one very large way to do it. And they're definitely going to sell one. I know one sucker who's going to yep. buy. I can guarantee one sale on that. Uh, in the news, we got conventions uh, that are happening this weekend. We have what we read from this past week, which was Batman number 132, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, as well as our continued reread through in Todd and Joe have issues of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Yep. And uh, anything else that comes up that we might have to talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's kick things off with those two Sean Murphy stories. Uh, so Sean Murphy, fantastic artist, very recognizable style. Um, you know, he's also an accomplished writer in his own right. Uh, he has been doing like, I guess you would call like, are they uh, black circle books? Black you uh, would know because you get them. Uh, black label books? I believe black they label. are. I believe they are black label. So they're black label books and they kind of exist in their own little corner of the DC universe that like, is just him, right? Mm-hmm. Not technically Elseworlds, you know, Black Label, I guess. Uh, but it's essentially like the Batman White Knight universe, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently wrapping up his third miniseries of those, and they were all mostly just Batman-centric people. Uh, Batman was one, Joker was another, uh, Bargain Basement Batman, I think, was featured in another. Yep, now Batman Beyond is the third one. Right, and Batman Beyond, and now they've announced his next one is coming up, where he's, it's called World Finest, of course, you gotta get that branding out there, um, with the movies coming out in two years. But uh, this is the first time that he's actually, like, folding in other parts of the DC universe into the story. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's going to be, like, a Justice League-centric kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, again, like I said, I, this is not a knock or a slight on Sean Murphy by any stretch of the imagination. But for DC to trust him with their properties as they have, I think that speaks volumes for the type of creator that he is. I remember when they were in between the second and the third one that they announced that there was going to be more um, and he was going to have control over it. And then he was going to opt out and not opt out, but he was going to give out assignments to people like, like you could write these things in this world. And I'm like, Okay, so there's like other writers going to pop up, and I think in one shots they did, but Sean Murphy kind of had like control over everything. I was like, I wonder if they're trying to make this like their Ultimates universe years ago for Marvel, where it's a fresh start, and then you could do projects out of the White Knight universe, and it's not laid, you know, weighted down with continuity. Which was what really helped uh, uh, Ultimates back in the day. But then, you know, after 10 years, it was, you know, weighted down with continuity. So we'll see if the, if it goes there. Yeah, I think ha- like a, a little universe like this, um, having its own distinct voice. And, you know, he's really the only creative force behind it, or at the very least the main creative force behind it. So if it it succeeds or fails by his name and his name alone, you know, he's the showrunner, Joe. Yes. Oh, there you go. And I wonder why do you like and obviously I'm sure there's people that want to play in the main DC sandbox. Um, And obviously there's people that DC probably wants to play in the main DC sandbox, you know, for the longest time. And we didn't get into it so much. Uh, last week, uh, but to get into it a little bit this week, for the longest time, Tom Taylor was just known as the Injustice guy for mm-hmm. DC. And it was the video game spin-off universe for the Injustice games, and that's kind of where he cut his teeth, and that was his little corner of the DC universe. He branched out and has had tons of success, and now with this next Jonathan Kent story arc that he's doing, Jonathan Kent is going into the Injustice universe. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been teasing one thing, and I think that other thing, the, the one thing that they've been teasing is going to happen. But last week, there was, like, the official press released. It's like, you know, Tom Taylor returns home to the whatever. So one wonders why more creators don't decide to do that. And obviously, everything is individual. But, like, it, it's cool to see DC kind of, like, let creators have that sort of, like, hey, I have a crazy idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not going to fit into the main continuity, but we like it, so we'll just give you this little piece that doesn't interact with anything else. You do this book, and that's how confident we feel about this idea, you know? Yeah, and then run with it. You don't have, you're don't. you not constrained by, uh, like, what people are doing with the characters you want in other books, so. Yeah. So. And I could definitely see how that could, like, muddy 
things, but these books are very clearly like shown as like not in main continuity, you know? Yeah, black label continuity. Yeah. Uh but again, Sean Murphy must be doing well off of these White Knight books. Um, because on his Instagram uh, over the weekend, he posted some rough preliminary sketches that he's doing, uh, uh, essentially stating, I'm uh, showing concept art for my next book. I've licensed the rights myself, so it'll be published under my own label. So not only is he starting his own label, self-publishing stuff, but he purchased the comic book publishing rights to Zorro. Which just blows my mind, Joe. Right. And, like, big companies have had Zorro comics before. Uh, you know, Tops have had it. Dynamite have had it. Just, you know, to name a few. But, like, to see just a guy, you know, on his own dime, just say, I have a Zorro story that's burning inside of me. I must tell it. How much are the rights to Zorro? Yeah. I mean, Zorro might have fought uh, Dracula 30 years ago from tops, but I'm not so sure about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm, you know what? And I really enjoyed a lot of like what Sean Murphy's done as a writer too. His art is really cool. So I'm a, I'm like, I'm not a huge Zorro fan, but I'm a Zorro fan. So when this comes out, I'm going to be the first in line to try it because I like, you know, that style of story. So I really look forward to see what he can do and it's going to look good too. It's just very rarely do you see, like, what, and again, Zorro's more or less like a pulp character from, like, the mm-hmm. 20s or whenever. I'll be honest with you, I'm unfamiliar with Zorro outside of the Antonio Banderas and the, uh, uh, what's the, what's the movie from the 80s that Zorro was in? Uh, uh, so- two bits, four bits, six bits of peso, all for Zorro, stand up and say so. Zorro and the Gay Blade, Joe. Yes. Well, who's the actor? Um... Um, he was the guy who has the tan all the time. Right. The guy, the, the guy with the tan, but I, I, his name is escaping right now, but those are my only two cultural touchstones for Zorro, you know? Right. I've read some Zorro comics, so. Uh, right. So. Uh, I'm looking. No, no. Up. So good, good for Sean Murphy. Um, you know, kind of banking on himself. He wants that property. So he's just like, I got to license it myself. Like, I'm not going to go through another publishing house. I'm not going to do anything like that. It's just like, you know, I'm going to license Zorro and make Zorro comics, you know? Right. It was George Hamilton, by the way. Thank uh, you. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see him get the rights to Lone Ranger, too, while he's at it. Yeah, that was at Dynamite for a while, too, if I remember correctly. Yep. It was at Tops originally, and then it was, well, not originally, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, in, in the 90s and stuff like that. And then Dynamite had it, and I forget who was writing, but I remember... Uh, John Cassidy was drawn and it looked beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, I've, I've read all the dynamite, uh, Lone Ranger books that had, that came out during those, that decade. So yeah, I'd like to see him do that too. have a crossover. It'd be awesome. I remember we might've even talked about it a couple times on this very show, you know? Yeah. If this or if this or in the other iteration, who knows? But yes. Yeah. Um, so who knows, maybe this is the beginning of Sean Murphy creating his own pulp heroes line by licensing those characters, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're just speculating here, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of which Spider-Man, okay. Mm -hmm. I love Spider-Man, but when I see them roll out the ad campaign, so the beginning of the new current story arc, 
uh, for Spider-Man was that Spider-Man did something bad, and we don't know what that thing that he did bad was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think it ties into the bad thing that Reed did in Fantastic Four. Right. But that's just mindless speculation on my part, only because in the books, Johnny Storm knows what Spider-Man did. Okay. This, and Johnny Storm knows what Reed did. Right. And the, whenever they show Spider-Man, he's, like, standing in, like, a crater of something that used to be there. Mournful right. and sad for what he did. Right. And that's that's what the crater that's in Fantastic yes. Four is the Baxter building. Right. So I'm thinking that they're somehow tied in and related, but it essentially made Spider-Man's life fall apart. Mary Jane left him. Um, ostracized by Aunt May, um, Johnny Storm giving him a bunch of grief. Well, in the anniversary issues, because again, w- whenever you renumber a book, it's always an anniversary of something. When it's mm-hmm. Spider-Man, it's always an anniversary of something. And uh, this summer is the uh, 50th anniversary of the death of Gwen Stacy. And the advertising for it says the most shocking issue of Amazing Spider-Man in 50 years. Ooh. Kind of leaning their hand heavily on, like, it's going to be a big death or something like that, right? I hope it's a big clone again. I don't think it's going to be a big death. No. I, I don't think it's going to be so any sort of, like, long-standing status quo change. It just bums me out that they do this so often with Spider-Man. Like, just let Spider-Man stand on its own and be like a good book. I mean, I I agree. I feel like this is, again, with the dance slot. Like, you know, buy this issue because it's going to blow your mind. And then, you know, whatever was seven or not was six ninety eight was the big issue, which was it did change everything. And it did. But it did. That was one of the few times. But then they like they piggyback on that kind of stuff for years. You know what I mean? And here we are again. And it's like, is it going to be that that becomes Superior Spider-Man, or is it going to be the countless other times that it added up to nothing? You know what I mean? And forgotten within six months or whatever. So I don't bite on any of this stuff. You know. So I don't bite on it either, but the fact that it happens in one of my favorite books of my all-time favorite character, it bums (laughs) me out whenever I see it happen. Right, with the third best rogues gallery. And the third best rogues gallery. No shame in third. You know, comes after first and second. Right? Bronzy. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't think, I mean, well, I'll see when I get a solicit, maybe, who the writers are, what what it is, but... Well, it's it's Zeb Wells, who's been the regular writer on the book for the last, like, two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they have John Romita Jr. doing stuff for the book and amongst others. You know, it's going to be, like, two big issues. I'm just saying to you as a listener of the show, if you're not already reading Amazing Spider-Man, don't jump on this thinking you're going to get some sort of special earth-shattering thing. I'm never going to tell you not to read Spider-Man. Like, pick up this past week's issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in what we read this past week, but it was a fill-in issue by Joe Kelly. Um, it was, uh, Peter and Felicia Hardy going to a resort that just so happened to be where, like, all the supervillains were. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was, like, very, like, old-schoolish, right? Like, oh, we're going to get away, you know, from all the hustle and bustle of the storyline that just wrapped up with the X-Men that, like, literally gets a footnote. 
And then, like, all the supervillains are there doing their rest and relaxation as well. You know? Right. So, it's like a fun, corny throwback kind of story, you know? I'm just going to say, people get those two issues that are coming up because they could have a first appearance of a new villain or a new character or a death. This is a book to speculate on, Joe. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I know. Well, what you can speculate on, Todd, though... (laughs) Right. Is they have announced, DC that is, Pronouns Pal, yet another reprinting collection of the entire Sandman saga. Ooh. Now, there's no anniversary as far as I know that's coming up of the Sandman saga, right? I can't think of one. You know, I could think of a podcast that's currently doing a reread of Sandman. That would be us. And it's very rare that they include in the main, like, in the same collection. Because usually you have your, your your numbered collection of the first 75 issues. And then there's a separate collection of, like, Dream Hunters and this and that and the other things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this time it's everything together in six leather-bound, hardcover, dust jacket, new editions. But they also come... With a little fancy thing that you could put them in, which is a replica of Dream's helmet. Uh, Have they announced a price on this yet, Todd? Well, I'm going to add one more selling point. Oh, they have, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay, well, slow down, son. One more selling point. A brand new Joe Neil Gaiman Sandman story that you can only get here. (laughs) <laughs> will never probably be reprinted anywhere. They didn't say that part, but it's the only place you can get this story. Oh, and um, it comes with a set of art prints as well. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, Street price of $500. I don't know if our retailer's getting it, and then I may get a discount. Don't know. I, I was chatting with him earlier today. Um, when it comes out, I'm gonna we're, we're, I'm gonna ask him. I'm like, what's the best deal you can give me? You know, there's no shame in you know asking that on a five hundred dollar. I'm I, you know I'm gonna act you know uh, like you know I want it, uh, and we'll see. But regardless of price, I, I don't want to say this too loudly in case he's listening. If I get zero discount, I'm still buying these books. <laughs> still buying these books, leather bound, the whole run. Every Neil Gaiman-related Sandman story, almost like all the ones that I mapped out earlier this year, Joe, a brand new one, and it makes me think. Do you remember what we did uh, when we did Jonah Hex and uh, the Spider-Clone saga? Yeah. At the end of the year, what did they start writing? New Scarlet Spider stories. They could have chose Jonah Hex, but they chose poorly. (laughs) Um, But. Now we did that. So we do Sandman this year. They put a new one out with a new a new story. Next year we're doing Captain Carrot, Joe. So I can have new Captain Carrot stories. <laughs> because we're we're trend setting now at this point. There is no doubt about it. DC is listening to us, following us, taking our word to heart, and going, these guys have their fingers on the pulse. The very pulse of what DC Comics readers want. So whatever they do, put that out. Can I do, um, after we do Captain Carrot, could I, uh, could we do like a reread of Secret Six so I can get like new Secret Six stuff? 
We could, you know what? I think if we do the math, we could do one whole year of Captain Carrot and Secret Six. Okay. So we'll do the double whammy and get them both. Okay. This now, sounds like a plan. A couple things that I need to mention to you about this set, Todd, right? Yes. So number one, you can't wear the helmet. So I'm completely out, you know? Um, the helmet is actually like it's a bookends. Right. It, it goes around the books, which I'm fine with. Okay. I want one that I could wear. I want one of those. You do one of those and the set, and I'll buy both. Okay. I don't like that they're recollecting everything in six different volumes. Because then, like, I can't just say, like, oh, the first trade or, like, the first, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a new way that everything gets broken up as it's collected. So that's just going to wreak havoc with my OCD, you know? Uh, Not mine, but that doesn't matter. And, Todd, did you see that there's two versions of the helmet? No. Okay. So if you look at the article, there's mm-hmm. the main version, which, like, looks more black than anything else, right? Okay. It's black and silver. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's like, a picture that they show with the books in it, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's a picture that they show without the books in it, and you can see, like, the silhouette of the person who's taking the picture. And you see how it's kind of like if you're looking at the article, and we'll, you know what? I'll include the pictures uh, in the uh, post with the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you see there, uh, we're like maybe like around the part where the bones come out. It's kind of like a leathery looking thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you scroll down further in the article, you'll see the head-on green version of it. Okay. Where it shows like you could see on the spines of the books each of the different members of the Endless Family's sigils. Okay. And and then underneath that it says, this green variant of the set will only be available in comic shops. Oh, okay. So there's two different versions that you have to buy, Todd. Uh, Still not a problem. We'll have to work (laughs) on that. (laughs) Oh, Todd, I tell you. Sometimes they just make a thing just for you. They do, Joe. They do. Uh, but again, this is, you know, it's a good collection, but I want to be able to wear the helmet, you know? Right. Now, yeah, I think we might have to take a break on this show so I could read over all of this again. But no, uh, I think well, I'll be able to. While, so, you know what, actually, Todd, while you do that, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about conventions this weekend. Right. In a rarity, there's two fan expo conventions going on at the same time. Fan expo. Uh, are the folks that kind of scooped up some of the old wizard uh, conventions. Someone who will remain nameless uh, says that there's only one fan expo show that makes money and all the other ones are just hoisted by that one, right? Mm -hmm. But I will say that these are two very different, very uh, stacked conventions. Uh, They're doing Vancouver uh, starting on, uh, it's just Saturday and Sunday in Vancouver, uh, Jason Fabok, Phil Jimenez uh, are going to be there. And then on the media guest side, we have Stephen Amell, uh, Michael Rooker, Brett Spiner of uh, Night Court fame and nothing else as far as I can remember. Right. Uh, Peter Weller, the original RoboCop. <laughs> uh, and uh, Vivian Blair. I don't know who that is. That's baby Princess Leia. Oh, good for her. From the Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Fan Expo Portland this weekend is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a little bit more stacked on the comic book type folks, because obviously Portland, a lot of folks live out there. Uh, Jay Lee, Simon Bisley, Tom Grummet, Tony Harris, Carl Kessel, Kevin McGuire, Steve Lieber, Mark Russell. Boy, howdy. You know, what a selection of folks. But then... On the media guest side, you got Sam Raimi and Bruce uh, Campbell. You got William Shatner. And then you have the Back to the Future experience with Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, and Tom Tom Wilson. Yep. So, again, Fan Expo putting out two pretty stacked uh, conventions this weekend, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I guess that uh, Back to the Future one is coming to Philadelphia in the summer. (laughs) Interesting. So, because I've had, I've, I've seen people who have shown interest. Um, I believe your other co-host sent it to me whether or not he would go and, <laughs> and meet them. Um, and Josh is a big, uh, is a big Back to the Future fan. He's like, oh, I kind of want it. And the pictures with just uh, the photo op with just uh, uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd is pretty reasonable. So, let's look. We're talking, right? Right, and the autographs, you know. Or it could be uh, they have so them up. I'm just I'm just looking to see when Philly is. Oh, Philly's the first weekend in June. Yep. Hmm. We'll cross that bridge here in a second. And you're talking about the Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd double shot? Yeah, it's only $350. I think that's reasonable for two mega stars. Mm-hmm. I'm looking I so I'm looking this over here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so. <laughs> so obviously I'm sure there's the one where you can get everyone together, right? Mm-hmm. Um Okay. You can get the whole cast together. Um, $350, right? Mm-hmm. But then I'm looking at just the more uh, just the Michael J. Fox one, right? Uh $225 is just the picture, right? Right. Um $275 is the picture and an autograph on a premium item of your choice. Right? Right. And then it lists the items that you can get. Right. Wasn't Nike's not one of them? Okay. So then for $350, that's the premium bulky thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can now upgrade. Because, like, the list of autographs, like, so the first thing, 225 picture and an 8x10, right? Mm-hmm. 275 is a picture, and you get comic book, a book, a magazine, a script, the newspaper, uh, non-sports card, DVD, Blu-ray, posters. You get what I'm saying, right? Stuff like right. that. Funko Pop is thrown in there. The premium bulky is he'll sign a hoverboard, a jacket. Uh, a, he'll sign a DeLorean for you, Todd. I think they mean a toy one. Oh, I thought you'd wheel your DeLorean up. Uh, flux capacitor, guitar or guitar pick, camcorder, Pepsi bottles, sports equipment, shoes and then in big bold letters no nike shoes allowed no nike shoes allowed joe 
I love the very specific restrictions on what you're not allowed to, what you're allowed to or not allowed to sign, you know? Right. I, I don't mind when comic creators won't sign something that they're not getting paid for. Like, cause there's a few creators who's like, Oh, I never got a check from DC or Marvel for that. So I won't mm-hmm. sign it. Cause I won't, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like push people to buy it so I can sign it for them. Right. I'm like, eh, I don't know what it is with, with uh, Nike. Maybe there were the shoes. Nikes in the movie. Yeah. There must be something about not making money on that. So must be. And Todd, I know Philly is, uh, you know, like I said, first weekend in June. It's a little weekend. It's a little ways away. Uh, Christina Ricci is going to be there. The the second Wednesday, Adams? Yes. I'm willing to go. All right. Well, you and the fancy gentleman, you might have to consult with the Council of Greece for that one, you know? Um, I, you know what? I think I'm grandfathered in the Council of Greece. I don't have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to pay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and hey, you can hear more about this sort of sh- nonsense and shenanigans over at soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, you could find them there. Or anytime any of the folks from those shows go on other shows and they let me know, you'll find them there as well. And that includes this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Porch Talk, the limited series of No Chance in Helmet, Hit My Music, and who knows what else is coming, right? Mm-hmm. Be sure to check out some of our friends and the stuff that they're up to. Uh, be sure to check out Mike Sterling's blog at Progressive Ruin. Uh, he's been putting up some interesting stuff there. Our friend Kevin uh, over at MassLibrary.com. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop. All those cool resin, uh, glow-in-the-dark sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling figures that he does. He also has stickers and pins and all sorts of stuff. Handmade, very cool stuff. A uh, friend of the show, Mark Cole's podcast, The Winter Palace. He just recently had Mark Wade on, uh, talking about projects old and new. And if you are, if you have Ant Man fever, then you should get checked out because it's probably a case of Kang fever. <laughs> and on his uh, supplementary podcast called The Plot Podcast. Mark goes through the history of Kang in the comic books as a primer to get you ready for Quantumania this weekend. I think uh, was I, I was going to say I think you have a, a a bad case of the Kangs to tell you the <laughs> truth. That's a good case of the Kangs. Um, so also check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, two longtime listeners of this show, uh, self-published comics. We have the links in the show notes where you could purchase those. Uh, you could head to our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Dave and the gang put all of their social media stuff primarily on Facebook when the new books are in, when the new books are going to be late, what the hot pre-orders are going to be, what those final cutoff order dates are going to be. And hey, if you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. Sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly. 
bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you could get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. Go check out her social media, also linked up in the show notes, and find her sketches, her process. Uh, she did that uh, creep show romance comic this past weekend that I thought was really cool. Yep, yep. Uh, so like I said, definitely check that out. Yeah, it's keeping away from doing her portfolio. But again, listen, there's only so many times that we can mention it here. Right. But this is ammo for her portfolio, you know, so it's OK. Uh, and uh, last but not least, and again, this is just me kind of refiguring the uh, show notes. Uh, don't forget to check out. Oh, hang on. Uh, our good friend Davey Jr. Uh, and his comic that he put out and I don't know why it's not in the show notes, but it'll be in the show notes when everything is said and done. How about that? There you go. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. And that would be uh Batman 123. Yes. Right. Written by Chip Zdarsky and art by Mar- Mark Hathorne. Hawthorne. Um, this is the second part of Batman of the Batman of Gotham where Failsafe has sent Bruce Wayne to an alternate Earth, um, one where Bruce Wayne is dead and there's no Batman, and Gotham is even worse and corrupt and, you know, uh, ruled by thugs than, like, the one that we're used to. And he ran into a young girl named Jewel who's kind of taking care of him, and she tries to help out people in this city running safe houses and stuff like that, and she ends up explaining to him that uh that they make a business out of trying to like get the downtrodden any way they can to be like deemed crazy and then sent to arkham where they disappear or something happens to them we're not quite sure and uh bruce ends up you know he's talking to jewel and she's like okay because uh, Bruce has been seeing, like, a bone version of Commissioner Gordon, like, a skeleton version. She's like, you're seeing things. And he's like, yeah, it's just multiverse travel. She's like, I, I don't really believe you on that. It's probably the the crane brain, which I thought was really cool that they said they just pump gas out there to try, to, to even make it easier to bring these people in and, and you know, condemn them as crazy. Um, and he's like, well, I want to go back home. Who has the best technology? And they say, uh, this character named Halliday. And he's like one of the rich people in the tower that are protected from all this. And she goes, I have no idea how you're going to get close to that. And he's like, oh, well, they're having a, a gala. And trust me, I can fake playing the rich, rich part. And there's a bit where he ends up talking about how he's played the rich person all his life because that's not his true persona. And Chip Zdarsky really gets that part. And he ends up, you know, crashing the event. Um, and the reasons why it's easy for him, I find it really cool, like no internet and stuff like that. And Jewel ends up getting him all this stuff. So he makes these like, you know, MacGyver like weapons so he can go, uh, you know, cause he doesn't have the resources that he does as Batman gets to the party ends up running into all these like villains that he kind of knows and they're all juiced to the gills on venom because this character red mask is, is, is kind of in charge and he ends up meeting Selena at this thing and he's supposed to be dead. And the back and forth between Selena and him is fascinating. And then the inner monologue that Batman has about like, Selena's like, don't, this isn't yours. I don't care how she smells. I know, she, you know, she's the one I'll always love. Don't fall for it. So once again, I feel like Chip has 
a real grasp on the Batman characters, even though these are alternate versions. And then he ends up seeing Halliday uh, and things, I don't want to say too much, things go sideways from there and he's trying to get out and he ends up getting, you know, his, his head handed to him again. And, you know, in an alleyway, he decides to make a difference because even when he's both busted and broken, he can't not help people, which once again is Batman all around. Um, I wasn't on board for the alternate, you know, earth story. Cause I'm kind of tired of alternate earth stories, but in issue two, Chip Zdarsky has completely wrote me in and I'm all in on this storyline. Right. I, I would say the strongest part of this um, is how much Chip gets the Batman Selena Catwoman relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that was a big crux of Tom King's run on the book. Right. But I, 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 you know, I don't think we can get to this point in the book without having the Tom King stuff and even everything that's gone before. But, you know, that's the most recent written Batman stuff that focuses so heavily on this. But I felt the Chip Zdarsky stuff here was stronger than like the end of Tom King's stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, I love the early Tom King stuff, but I believe it fell off about three quarters of the way through his storyline. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's the bit where Bruce is making his escape and I'd be remiss not to mention, uh, as Bruce is making his escape, he says, I've fallen from the moon. I can survive this. That was, and I hated that moon bit, but just that sets up this moment. Perfect. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, you know, and I guess without spoiling too much, it is a Batman comic. Um, Bruce is in an alternate world, alternate dimension uh, where Bruce Wayne is supposedly dead. There is no Batman. And again, Bruce is going to do what Bruce is going to do. You know, he may be inspired once again. Right. Again, I don't think that's a spoiler for a Batman story, but I will say uh, we do have our backup, our second feature. Um <laughs> Involving uh, one of our local retailers' favorite uh, superheroes, which is uh, Toy Man. Supervillain who's up there with Kang to him. Mm-hmm. It's Kang, Red Tornado, and the Toy Man are his top three. That's the trifecta right there. He says, I don't care about no Scrooge McDuck, no Spider-Man, no Swamp Thing. Give me a Toy Man, give me a Kang, and give me a Red Tornado. Right. Uh, but that, this is just the continuation of uh, Tim Drake knows that Bruce is still out there um, and they are going to find him. But I guess he miscalculates and ends up wherever. And again, spoilers, I guess, wherever Toy Man ended up going to escape from his battle with Jonathan Kent. Right. Things aren't quite what they seem, you know, as it is in comics. But I do like I, I do. I think, you know, ch- we keep saying this. Chip Zdarsky has all like every character he writes in these Batman books down. Like I love his Tim Drake. So yeah, with which Zdarsky, it's like give him whatever character you want at DC, and I will read it. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, obviously, um, he does his creator on stuff. He's still writing Daredevil over at Marvel, and I think he said that he's going to be doing both Daredevil and Batman for a while. And the last time that I remember somebody writing a Bat-adjacent book, not the main Bat book, but a Bat-adjacent book, and Daredevil at the same time was Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are some 
pretty big shoes to be filling and following, and I think Chip's doing a great job. Yep. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Uh, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them mailed to your home, uh, whether you're waiting for the trade, the hardcover, um, you know, a helmet that collects leather-bound versions of your favorite character. Uh, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with one correct guess. And uh, let's uh, see what we could do, if anything, about that, huh? Right. So I think the book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Fantastic Four number four. Yes, it is. I do believe that I'll be right this time as we found out we find out what went wrong at the Baxter building. So uh, that is correct. I'm looking at your list. Very short list is the book you're looking forward to most. Swamp Thing Green Heck number two after a year of waiting for it. Well, 13 and a half months to be exact. But yes. Uh, it is Swamp Thing Green Hell number two, uh, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Doug Monkey, uh, two of my favorite creators. And it was kind of like him and Han kicking the tires. I'm like, eh, is this the one? It's a little bit of a lean thing, you know, a lot of either middle of the storyline stuff or what have you. Um, technically, this is a new number one because it's been over a year since the last <laughs> issue came out. Right. And then I saw that cover with uh, John Constantine all, like, grizzled and weathered on it. Right. And I'm like, all right, I'm sold. Give me this book. Yep. I mean, I've, that means we'll have two books to talk about next week? Possibly. Oh, and two issues of Sandman? It's crazy around here. And a movie. <laughs> and a movie, if I get to see it, you know? Oh, okay. So, um, let's talk about it here. Let's save Sandman for the end, end. How about that? Right. Um, so my wife is out of town this weekend. Okay. Uh, she is going, uh, away like the entire weekend. Like she's leaving Friday and not coming home until like late Monday, mm -hmm. uh, for a convention for her new job. She had gone last year where it was in New Hampshire this year. It's in uh beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, she should stop by and see the basis down there. in near she Savannah. Had, uh, she was trying to triangulate how things were and what her schedule looked like, and she was going to reach out to the Mad Basis, but <laughs> her schedule is jam-packed. Right. Um, that being said, I'm left to my own devices with my kid, and he's got a ton of stuff going on this weekend, and I'm like, where am I going to fit in going to see Ant-Man? Right. And then it didn't even dawn on me. I said to my kid, I'm like, Hey, you want to go see Ant-Man this weekend while mom's out of town? He's like, yeah! yeah. So, we're going to see Ant-Man! You know what? It's only a person who's got, you know, trouble upstairs who doesn't like Marvel movies, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I know, like, and again, I don't think he saw the previous two Ant-Mans, you know? Right, mm -hmm. And I don't know what sort of media penetration he has. I know uh, he and my wife over the summer did go see Thor, uh love and thunder and thoroughly enjoyed it like we did right and uh, i'm sure he's thinking it's more of the same and listen it's better he learns about kang with his father than on the streets you know <laughs> right you've been feeding him that kang kool-aid for years Joey. that's right 
Mm. Um, so hopefully you get a chance to see Ant-Man 3 this weekend. <clears throat> right. And then we'll have an opportunity to talk about it right here on the show next week. No uh, back to form, and then it's just right into like TVs and movies nonstop from now until the end of times. Right. I'm glad you said if I have the opportunity to talk about it. Oh, mm-hmm. there's the word for you. <laughs> Yes, and hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we've done before with the past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, go check out our T Public store. New designs for different shows on the network are being added all the time. Uh, I got a bunch of shirts and pins and stickers here that I can send right out to you if you want. Um, also sign up for our Patreon. Uh, you know, as little as a dollar a month is going to give you two extra shows from Todd and myself. Uh, the movie show where we're going to be recording this weekend, the uh, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury movie that's available on YouTube. Right. And of course, previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. Uh, we also put up uh, full scans of those previews catalogs that we're going to be talking about uh, for the most part. High quality, professionally done scans. The last thirty or so pages are kind of iffy, um, but again, dollar a month gets you all that. Five dollars a month gets you those two bonus shows before everyone else, and it gets you Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to the shows in the correct listening order. Uh, and hey, we lost Amazon, but we got eBay now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not banner ads across the show, but anytime you go into any of the recent posts, uh, you're going to see an affiliate link, uh, make your eBay purchases, bidding, buy it nows, always make an offer, uh, through our affiliate link and we're going to get a little bit of a kickback. We'll see how this works. You know, I honestly think we failed upwards, Joe. Let's, let's see. I, I'm glad I, I admire your optimism, Todd. Right, right. And uh, we did not have any art attacks this week. Is that correct? That is correct. No art attacks. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, The part that Todd looks forward to every week now for the calendar year 2023, where we will be talking about uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Like I said, we're about talking about two issues a week, give or take. Um, You know, there's going to be weeks where we come up where it's one or three. And obviously, if you want an advanced copy of the schedule, I can get that to you. Uh, If you go to the poll post, which we put up uh, Thursdays at noon, it'll have the next set of issues that we'll be talking about. And it'll be also ways that you can go and purchase those collections as well. Right in the show notes. Right. Right. So uh, go ahead. You kick things off, man. You lead and I will uh, chime in where I need to. Right. So we're starting off with. I, I, and again, you know what? And I'm, as I'm giving you the floor, I promise I'm done complaining about the differences in the coloring of the digital versions of the print versions. Okay, what brought what brought that about? <laughs> the very first page of issue thirteen. You hate it? No, I love the print version of it, and I hate the digital version of it. But I'm done. That's it. It's out of the way. Our good buddy DJ did some side-by-side comparisons of some of the pages that we talked about last week. I'm not sure what side of the fence he falls on. I think Todd liked the more newer coloring of these things. I'm If I saw every page by page next to each other, 
I would be, I, that's the way I lean because I saw what he did and I saw what you were talking about on the original one where Sandman is in the fight pose and he has the flames and it's all red. I like that, but I like the version where the flames change color throughout the, the, the thing. So I get it, but then he double did the back to back of the, 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 when Sandman goes to hell in SU4. And I'm like, all right, I can see I like the original version better on that. I'm willing to go by a case by case basis, if that makes any sense. I'm just, like I said, I'm done. Should be some do backs in the background of the new versions. <laughs> okay. Um, so this place, I can't remember if it takes place in 1389 or 1489, because uh, just a spoiler alert, this book will jump 100 years every time. But it's an old like English pub, and Death and Sandman go there, and he's uh, all these people are like talking, and I'm just gonna say this: every century, there's various chatter that's you know applied to each century, which will come around when we kind of sort of get to the end. Um, but he's like, uh, Sandman's like, what's this gonna serve? And she's like, listen, you need to get out and meet them, and not just you know in your realm, but the, on their terms instead. And he's like, yeah, okay. And they go in and there's this person who's basically saying the only reason people die is because the world and everybody has told you that you're going to die. And I think it's a mugs game kind of a deal. And, uh, they're kind of listening in. And at one point, Sandman's kind of like, like not really paying attention, but he's like, Listen, so you know, a delegation of the fa- of fairy came and they're thinking about abandoning this realm forever. He's like, just shut up. Listen to the people. And he ends up uh, saying, "I, uh, you lot may die. Uh, I expect you will, but I'm not. That's It's stupid and I'm not going to fall for it. And that's when Sandman says, uh, it it might be interesting. And they, they kind of, death's like, very well, this is a game we can play. She's like, are you going to tell him or shall I? And he's like, I'm going to do it. And she's like, all right, talk to you later. And he ends up, he's like, you, you, uh, you think you're not going to die? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to have any part of it. He goes, then how about we meet here in a hundred years at this tavern of the white horse? And he's like, and all the people are like, oh, they, he got you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, uh, he's like no, all right, a hundred years, uh, I'll see you. And that's when he says, I'll see you in our year of the Lord, 1489. So it's 1389. And uh, they end up leaving and we jump to a hundred years and Hobbs like, what are you here? I'm like, are you a wizard? Like he did, he comes back and he's like, are you a demon? Like if I made a devil with the de- bargain with the devil, he's like, no, I'm merely interested. And he's like, um, is this some kind of game? He's like, you have not died. I see. But uh, he's like, Oh, Okay. Um, I came because I'm interested in death, but death will not touch you, Hobgolding, unless you truly desire it. Um, so he's like, oh, that's interesting. And he's like, and he's he's interested in the way the world is changing. And like the one person, there's one person in the in the in the pub who's like, oh, I hate all this stuff. He's like, this chimney, listen to that, you know. <laughs> he's like going off on the chimney about how, you know, the, the smoke was good for the hardening of the timbers in the house and good medicines for the man and his family. And, you know, their heads did never ache. And the guy's like, Hobbs, like this old idiot. He's like, he doesn't remember what it was like. Your eyes watering. We had holes in the wall to let the smoke out. So you were 
reason. He's like, and look, handkerchiefs, look at that. You wipe your nose. In the old days, we used to just, just you know, used to wipe them on our sleeves and, and, and look, playing cards. It's all fantastic. And he's, and Sam is like, what do you think they'll think of next? And he's like, something to rid the fleas with. Uh, so I'm just going to jump in there. So, you know, obviously this whole thing starts off with a bunch of drunk talk from Hobgalding, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful drunk talk. And then it escalates to this where he gets this bargain where he gets to essentially live forever on the condition that he meets up with Morpheus at this same bar once every hundred years. That last panel there, of course, where Morpheus is like most impressive. What will you people think of next? He is written and that little bit of dialogue and drawn with such contempt on his face. Yeah, and even the way, like, the will is drawn in the lettering, you could hear him, like, linger on the will. You know what I mean? Yes. Because uh, yeah, I do think the letterer doesn't get the love that they deserve on this, too, you know? Especially with the black word balloons for Morpheus. Right. And it's here where, uh, you know, Morpheus is like, well, what have you been up to the last hundred years? And he's like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know? Uh, I fought, you know, a little banditry, uh, and then he mentions, uh, he started working in a trade with a friend of his. It's called printing. No need to be a guild member yet. Um, and he's like, it won't last, which yep. is, a, you know, a great bit for a comic book, you know? Yep. And he goes, but it beats the heck out of rotting in ma- to maggots in the ground. He's like, so Morpheus like, you still want to live? He's like, yep, a hundred years then. So they show up. And, you know, uh, there's, uh, you know, some people talking. It turns out to be uh, William Shakespeare is there and another great poet. I forget uh, who the who the name of him is. But Sam, uh, Neil Gaiman did mention that whoever it was was at the height of his game during this time. And Shakespeare had just started out and his plays weren't very good. And he likes the dichotomy of, of them. And everything that he wrote when these two playwrights talk and Sandman write, I don't understand what it is, but it's in all written in iambic tameter. You know what I mean? The way Shakespeare wrote. And he goes, I made sure I did all that for just their interactions. I wish I knew what all that meant, but it's way above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we're we're literary men, but not that literary, you know? Right, right. Um, so Sandman shows up and I like how his garb is changing to the decade and stuff like that. And he's like, how, how are you? He's like, Hob, you doing well? And he's like, Hob, uh, that takes me back. It's Sir Robert Galden now. And he's like, oh, so you're doing pretty good. He's like, yep. Uh, the gods have smiled upon me. He's like, uh, he's been working. He, He ended up, uh, funding, uh, making gold and he ended up putting it to this guy's shipyards. So he's got a small stake in that. Um, and he's like all the greatest food. Uh, and he's talking about all the things he ends up having a, a wife and a kid. He's like, here, take a look my fair Eleanor and little Robin, my firstborn over. I like this over and born in over 200 years. Well, that I know of anyway. Um, and even he talks about like the queen's stayed at my place the uh that last summer and that was expensive um I, and, I like the bit where he mentions he's like oh i went up north uh for a year and i came back as my son I've already done that twice so far you know yep yep that's like, how he's you got, got it all figured out everything's coming up roses for uh sir robert galding you know yep, every everything's coming up ga- uh, hob you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so ends uh 
uh, Sandman ends up hearing the two people talk, and he, he, like the the one guy's telling Shakespeare, he's like, ah, you know, your your plays aren't that great. You just kind of stick to the acting. And uh, Shakespeare's like, oh, I would give anything to have your gifts, or more than anything to give men dreams that would live long on after I'm dead. I'd bargain like your fastiest for that boon. And Sandman's like, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's uh, this guy. Axabit wrote a play, which Neil ends up saying is a is a jab at the uh, the one guy who was reviewing the head of the the studios was re- re- reviewing Fred Astaire, and he's like, "What do you got to say about Fred Astaire?" And the guy's notes were, um, "Can you know can act kind of going kind of bald, can dance a little." That's the way he reviewed him. So he thought it would be funny to have Hob review Shakespeare as Axabit wrote a play um so he's like ah, he's, he he's not that great but the the guy with him with the broken leg he's the better playwright and he's like okay i'll be right back and he goes are you you know will shaxbird and he's like yes it's like i heard you talk about you know spurring the minds of men in their dreams and he's like is that your will he's like yes let's talk so they go off we don't hear what's going on with that and he's just like oh and and that'll come back in later issues yes yes now and again not to tip the hand too far in advance um it's those issues where neil writes the shakespeare stuff right that's the stuff that gets him nominated for the fantasy awards correct I want to say it was the the get nominated for the fantasy awards aren't that it's the cat issue Okay. That's the first big one that puts like him on the map kind of a deal where he starts getting awards. But okay. I'll ha- as it comes down, I'll look more into that. But I don't remember what was nominated for what at this point. You know? Okay. And, you know, and obviously this particular part ends with, uh, ha- it, again, it's hobgalding. White bread. I would have killed for white bread 200 years ago. Come to think of it, I did a couple of times. Everything to live for and nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. Famous last words, Todd. Yep. And so we jump a hundred years, and, and Morpheus is in the pub, and he's like, "They're asking if they can help." He's like, "Nope, I'm waiting for somebody." And then you know, Hobbs being dragged in, filthy. And he's like, "You know, get away, you jug biter, you fuddled jug biter," which is a great. I might have to steal that. Um, and he's like, you know, this is for gentry, not for, you know, uh, not for you, the stews with the with the rest of the filth. I'm like, oh, ugh. And he's like, Sandman's like, let him in. You know, I want to be, you know, I want to talk to him. And he's just starving. He's tattered rags. And he's like, do you know how hungry a man can get if he doesn't eat but, you know, can't die? Which is a great, like, kind of idea. Like, that's truly heck, you know? And he's like... And, you know, my wife died in childbirth. You know, I don't even remember what she looked like. I hawked the the, the picture pendant that I had. Um, my son died in the tavern brawl when he was tr- 20. I didn't go mu- out much after that. They tried to drown me a- as a witch. Um, I lived there for 40 years overconfident. Con- I got out with my skin and li- little more. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And uh, 
And he's like, I hated every bloody second of the last 80 years. Every bloody second, you know that. And he's like, so Sam is like, so you, you still wish to live? Do you seek or do you seek the respite of death? And he's like, are you crazy? Death's the mugs game. I've got too much to live for. Right. Awesome. Fantastic. Like yep. each of these two chapters are so perfect. The high, high and the absolute low, low. And he's still hanging in there. Mm-hmm. So we jump, we, we uh, jump another hundred years and he's like, um, and Hobbs saying, he's like, so, you know, it's a living what I do. And the funny thing is, and I like how this comes around. He's like, I was the one who funded the shipping, you know, lanes, 200 years ago and Sandman's like you take pride in treating your fellow humans as less than animals and he's like like I said it's a living and he ends up talking about uh he's basically doing the triangle trade of taking you know uh Africans to America as slaves and he and so he's like oh you're you're Sandman's like your spirits you know you've you're you're uh feeling better and he's like i you know i have and i was like he's like i saw king's lear the other day um uh and they gave it a happy ending i like that and sam is like it won't last the great stories will always return to their original forms so i kind of like that bit and they he probably researched that and they probably did change the plays that at this point in time and he says you that shakespeare guy you talked to him you did a deal um what kind of deal his soul and he's like nothing that crude and that's pretty much i think we get the last of it like you said for a while and then somebody shows up and she's like uh mask uh he's like uh what's your this woman shows up and she's like she ends up starts asking them questions she's like uh please don't trouble yourselves to rise and these like louts and and uh, hired help end up put the knives to their throats and uh i like hobbs just not even just uh bothered by it. he's like uh we haven't made your acquaintance and the guy's like shut up or you know you'll cut you and she's like let him talk um and she ends up saying that she heard the tale that in these parts of london the devil and the wandering jew meet every century in a tavern and she found a uh uh, thing sh- sh- sewn in someone's shirt of a dead man naming the place in the inn so she's been staking it out and uh she's like so i've, I've planned for two years for this rendezvous I have nothing to say and sandman's like i'm no devil and Hobbs like i'm not jewish which is kind of funny and she's like what kind of you know creatures are you he's like who wants to know and so, i am lady joanna constantine um and she's like i you know I knew a Jack Constantine kind of a thing. He's like, got himself killed long before you were born. And I like that they're laying down the constant clean line. I will say it. Yes, this is part of it. Um, And she's like, you know what? Come to my coach because whatever is going on with you, there's much I can learn. And Sandman gives her the Iggy with the sand. He's like, nope, I don't think so. And she starts hallucinating. And he's like, what'd you do to her? Um, She has old ghosts that I've shown to her. And uh, I, you know, I've kind of made, you know, basically I kind of just think gave her the, you know, the walking nightmares kind of a deal. Um, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go. I'll see you in a hundred years. Um, and he ends up saying, Robert, and he's like, yes, it's like, it's a poor thing to enslave another. I would suggest you find yourself a different line of business. Um, so I do like that. Yes. Uh, and very matter of factly. You know, this era, this hundred years starts out as, you know, Morpheus asking and kind of 
you know, kind of maybe attempting to lead Hob to the idea that what the line of work that he's chosen may not be the best. And then after this instance here with the Constantine, uh, Joanna Constantine, Morpheus is just like, knock this off. Mm -hmm. You know, no point up to this point in their relationship has Morpheus been so direct and forceful. Always been inquisitive whether he cares or not. And he's grown to care over these several hundred years. But at this point, this is the thing. This is that little bit that makes Morpheus say, okay, you need to change your ways. Mm -hmm. So obviously we jump... uh... Uh, another hundred years and and Morpheus shows up at the pub and he runs into a lady of the evening, if you will, Joe. <laughs> and she's asking him to buy him uh, a bit of the a drain of the pail. And I'm like, oh, OK, <sighs> whatever that is. <laughs> and Hobbs like, did you run into uh, Lushing Lou out there? They call her the hospital <laughs> because uh, she she's in a great deal. And because she sent so many men to them, to the hospital, uh, rotten thing, the pox. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and he's ended up like talking about how the place has gone downhill since the last time they meet. And Sandman says, I saw her again. He's and he's Tom's like, who lady Joanna He's like, indeed. She undertook uh, a task for me, uh, succeeded admirably. I might add, um, so, like, maybe we'll find something out about that. And then Hobbs like, you know what? I'm starting to notice that I'm not the only person who who who's di- has not died. He's like, I've met a bloke uh, half a dozen times now, although he doesn't always remember it. And I'm not sure if that's anybody we're supposed to uh, to know. But then he says there's also Mad Hetty uh, down on Compton Street. Been there a uh, 100 years at least. And my knowledge, mad as a coot she is, but she ain't going to die. Um, and she's like, death is a capricious thing. And Sandman's like, yes. Um, and he, and he's like, ah, you know what? He's like, you come here every century, but I don't think it's to see what happens to someone when they don't die. You've seen what happens. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm older. Um, I, but I'm not any wiser. I've been up, I've been down. I've learned, I've learned more than my share of mistakes. He's like, you were definitely right about the slave trade. Um, and I could never make restitution for that. Uh, but I doubt I'll ever seek death. He goes, but I've observed one other thing. He goes, I think you're here for something else. And he's like, what? He's like friendship. Think you're lonely. And Sandman snaps. He's like, how dare you? You mortal, me befriend a mortal. I don't need companionship. You dare call me lonely? And he's like, I do. He's like, and if you're here in a hundred years time, it's for no other reason than we're friends. Right. And then there's like that sad, right? Like begging, like kind of meekly begging, like, right. We're friends. And then cut to like 1989 and Hobbs in the bar and it's the eighties look and everything. And all the background talk, all the word balloons are word word for word. It's poetry because it rhymes from all like the centuries, like the different ones. They're all complaining about who's ruling or they're telling the same jokes or like people would rather not work. And it's all there. And I love that bit. It's basically saying very simply, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And in it, Hob looks up and he says, I wasn't sure you were coming. And Morpheus says, really? 
I've always heard it's impolite to keep one's friends waiting. Would you like a drink? And that is a great, great ending because it shows that that imprisonment changed him. Old Sandman probably wouldn't have shown up, Joe. Probably wouldn't have. Now, mm-hmm. um, I love this issue. Um, you know, obviously rereading it. I forget that it's right in the middle of Doll's House, you know? Right. Um, but obviously it has to be to establish a bunch of other things that are going to happen a little bit later on. Um, there are many changes here from the version that we get in the TV show. This issue kind of gets folded in with the uh, death uh, issue from a couple of weeks ago. Arguably two of the best single issue stories in Sandman Nay comics. Mm-hmm put together in one TV show. And if I remember correctly from the TV show, the way that Sandman's imprisonment imprisonment went, he actually missed one of their meetings, right? Yes. And then Hob, cause they, and they even ended up shutting down the pub and Hob buys the, a new one and moves it up the road. And then it's 30 years because the timelines move 30 years. And I actually, this is one of those, where I'm, I love the endings equally because in the show, because they have the blowout and he says, if I'm not here in a hundred, if you're not here in a hundred years, it's because we're not friends. And Sandman is in prison for that next meeting and he misses it. Then 30 years later, he shows up late and he apologizes for showing up late and sad Hob becomes happy Hob because he's like, Oh, it wasn't your fault. Like he'll end up finding out that he was in prison or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? You make a change to it. It doesn't ruin it. And it's a different ending for me. It's slightly different, but it has the same effect. So I'm 100% fine with it. I'm literally 50, 50 on which one's better. I'm the same way. I could argue positive and negatively for both endings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, as you said, that issue was maybe one of your favorites. Like I said, as so, in rereading both this and uh, the death issue from a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. going into this, as much as I like the death issue, which is like a 9.5, my memory of this was like a 9.6, right? Okay. Nothing's perfect. Those numbers still stand. I, I still like this just that little fraction better than the death issue. Okay, and now... The Hob issue might not be in my top five. Okay. But if it is, it might be on five because my top three favorite issues are the sound of her wings, which is the death story. The, 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 the diner story, um, the top three anyway. And this one that we're going to do is in my top three. So Hob might be four if not five, as we go down the list of Sandman issues. But because I really think Hob is up there, but when you talk to people, everybody remembers the sound of their wings, the diner issue, and then the serial killer convention. Mm -hmm. So, but to start off before we start out with this, a few things like uh, Neil talked about, like where this came from, where he was at a convention, a writer's convention or an awards thing or whatever. And he was like, what if like serial killers did this? And he's like, Oh, I really like this idea. I have to put this in a comic. And he wanted to put it in Sandman, but he knew he wouldn't get to, to it until about issue 14. Like he had the roadmap 
And he goes, I really want to do this story. And every day he's like, there's no way a writer hasn't thought that there's a serial killer convention. And every month he was worried that someone would beat him to the story. <laughs> but he's like, I don't, but it can't be till issue 14. And I don't know if I'm going to get to issue 14 as this started. So like one of his greatest, like, like the weight off his shoulders was he got to do, uh, this. And I thought that was absolutely, you know, fantastic. Um, but basically, that's the gist of it. Uh, you know, it's the serial killer convention, and all these people are here. Um, and there's always something crazy going on in the background, like with people talking about, you know, anything. Like, has anybody, you know, seen the family man is the one guy who's the main thing. And I think I discussed this when we talked about it on the show. The family man was a serial killer that was in Hellblazer issues. That ended up getting whacked. So that's why he can't make it to this to this show. And there are like like people here. And he's gonna be the like the family man is going to be the guest speaker. And they're like, oh, what are we gonna do if he doesn't show up? Um and there's some and uh Funland is the gentleman, if you will, who's helping people register. More on him as we as we get to uh the story uh, as we as we reach him and the guy who's kind of running the thing i forget what he's called uh we we get his name a little bit later um says that hey we were supposed to have this place to ourselves and you know what's going on but we have two people here who aren't registered as you know for the serial convention he's like they wandered in, one of my employees gave them the rooms, and uh, basically they're looking for their family member, and they got called from the police that something went wrong, and they told them to stay here. I don't want to attract attention, um, so we kind of kind of have to do what they say. And he's like, all right, but they're going to stay uh, to their, like, they're not allowed to join them in any of the areas that are, like, cordoned off for them. Right, and they're going to stay They're gonna stay in their room that we gave them. You guys stay to the areas that you guys are supposed to stay in, right? Right, yeah. And I'd be remiss, obviously, that the guy who's running this hotel, which in the comic is a little bit seedier uh, than the, the hotel than we get in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this, uh, the guy who runs the hotel is maybe... Uh, a magazine subscription away from joining the serial killer convention. Right. That's a very greasy magazine. Mm, It certainly is. So basically we get the rundown of what's happened between this issue and the last with, uh, with, uh, Rose talking about uh, that they were going to pick up Jed and, and, and get him, but, their car broke down. They went here and they got word that something happened at the house. Like the story that we got, and there was an explosion and Jed's missing. And basically that she finds out that they were abusing him. And we could have, you know, we, it would have been a perfect world if we had met them. And, uh, basically, uh, Gilbert comes and talks to her, uh, and says, you know, like everything has happened. How could people do that? And he's like, and I want to tell you a story, and it's an old one, a fairy tale story. And he ends up telling the original version of Red Riding Hood, uh, and where it's not very like kid friendly, and the, to the point where, and this is drawn beautifully. The I don't know about in your version, but in the digital version, it looks pretty good. Of the the wolves with red eyes and the black and white, and they're talking about 
the wolf being there and telling the uh, little red riding to throw her dress on the fire because she won't need it anymore. And, you know, just how truly gruesome the Brothers Grimm stories back in the day were. Uh, I um, like I like the bit where, you know, obviously this this bit here with Gilbert telling Rose about this particular iteration mm-hmm. of Little Red Riding Hood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's so specific, the wolf ran off and arrived first at the house. He killed the grandmother, poured her blood into a bottle, and sliced her flesh onto a plate. Um, the girl comes in and says, uh, "Have something, uh, have something for yourself, darling." There's meat and wine in the pantry, and the little girl ate it. And then a cat shows up and chastises her for doing so, right? Mm -hmm. So weirdly specific things that happen in that version that Gilbert tells her, you know? Right. And how it just ends in a way of, like, you know, the way that we know it's like, oh, what big teeth you have, how hairy you are, what long nails you have. And then it just ends... With, uh, they're for eating you, my dear. And he ate her. And Rose says, Gilbert, that's horrible. And Gilbert replies, I'm afraid so. There are earlier versions that are even worse. I would love to read the even worse stories, Joe. (laughs) Again, in Doll's House overall is fantastic. But this particular bit and the foreshadowing that we don't know that it is, um, you know, because Gilbert has been established as like, he quote unquote bores Rose with these sort of stories. Um, and now here we are where we get this story that ends up foreshadowing what happens later on in the issue. Yep. Um, and so now uh, I, I wish I could remember this guy's name. We'll get to it. But the guy, the guy who's running the convention comes and sees Funland, not Funland. It's fun land. And he, when he gets mad and they do the ripped picture, and then he goes back to like the big child look as he's talking, you know what yes. I mean? Very, very creepy. And, uh, th- he's asking if family man has shown up. He's like, no. Um, and they're going down, uh, the names of like the, the people there's like moon yes. river, candy man, the lip collectors here. But like, well, this this specific candy man, he's the guy from Connecticut with the candy canes. Right. Sure. Not candy man from the movies, Joe. Right. Uh, but this uh, so the, the guy who's running the convention, his name is Nimrod. Nimrod. I'm sorry. There's so much. I had to go this. through my notes. I apologize. I'm right. And I keep saying that. Blah, blah, blah. So some the Corinthian shows up and he's like, uh, is this where I register? He's like, yep. And uh He's like, oh, you know, I, the Corinthian, I thought you'd be older. And uh, he's like, oh, like it's just cool to have him there. And he's like, I'm Nimrod. There we are. And he's like, we, we talk, I have a favor to ask. There's something of a legend among collectors. And basically because I think he ends up asking him, uh, you know, that he might be the guest of honor because family man hasn't showed up. So Nimrod has to go out and talk to these people. Um, and he's like, he's, it's funny that this guy who's a killer and we're going to find out like kind of what he does. He's, he's scared. He's got stage fright, but he's talking about like, he has a shack in Vermont with, with four full chest freezers of bodies. He's like, isn't it time I buy a fifth? It's like, so he goes out there and he basically ends up giving him the rules, um, of like, 
you know, no names. We only use our nom de plume. Secondly, we don't um, defecate where we eat, which is one of my favorite phrases, you know, the proper way. I use that all the time. And he's like, no collecting here or until you're at least 200 miles away. Um, uh, the family man can't show up, but we ended up getting the Corinthian. Um, and I do like the fact that I did find out that the Corinthian, the reason Neil named him the Corinthian is because like 1700 slang, uh, means someone who like a, a, a loud, a, a something who visits brothels often. Um, that and it sounded cool with Corinthian from the Bible and fine Corinthian leather from those old uh, Link uh, Cadillac commercials. Right. So that's where it all all kind of comes from. Uh, and I thought that was always kind of cool. Um, so we're seeing like more of the people show up and we're seeing the uh, the film program. Uh, and I like all the films that they're going to watch are like Manhunter, The Collector, Don't Look Now, In Cold Blood. It's it's all it's like all fantastic. Then like somebody shows up and he's like, um, you're that doctor. Wow, you're that doctor. And he's like, yeah, he's like, who are you? I'm the boogeyman. And he's like, what's your, he's like, I've heard of you. Um, you're the give, give me a number guy. And he's like 39. He's like, oh yeah, because the boogeyman was out of Swamp Thing. And he, he was a serial killer. And he was the one who knew all the eyes of the people he killed. But that person was like, as I was reading this, that person was killed in Swamp Thing. So as I'm reading, I'm like, this guy's a fake. And it's not going to, it's not going to end well. Um, and we find out about the doctor. Like I said, as this goes on, each time somebody shows up, we learn a little bit about them. It's always creepy, Joe. Always, always, always. Um, <laughs> trying to remember what the doctor did. What did he make? He made stuff out of their skin, right? So, he yeah, so the, do the doctor would go to these fancy conventions, and he was very known for his homemade leather ties that he had. Mm, I wonder where he got those from, Joe. <laughs> and I like when the boogeyman, the fake boogeyman, is like, can I have your autograph? He's like, dear God, no. Don't be an idiot. Um, and I like that there's like a person called Dog Soup, and boogeyman's like, Dog Soup's a woman. Um, and then like there's the panels that we get is like how to ransom the victims because, you know, people pay for closure kind of uh deal but in the end we really don't do it for the money um so uh rose and gilbert are on an elevator and uh i believe it's the doctor and the corinthian get on and gilbert's doing everything he can to uh to like hide himself and as they're talking uh Basically, Corinthians saying the boogeyman is dead, doctor. He drowned in Louisiana three years ago. And he's like, how do you know? I know. And he's like, we have to talk to Nimrod. This is something we have to take care of right now. Um, and Gilbert's like, oh, my God. He's like, listen, if things go sideways, he goes, I've written a name down. If you if things go bad, uh, say it out loud. But don't say it out now. Just read it to yourself. 
if something goes wrong, call him and may God have mercy on all of us kind of a deal. Um, now, like we get more of the panels and there's like the, the, the religion in serial killing. And I like the two different kinds. There's the guy who's like the crazy prophet. Then the other guys who's like the evangelist looking like he doesn't speak for me is all fantastic. Um, so Corinthian grabs a hold of, uh, the fake boogeyman he's like let's go we got to talk he ends up knocking him out and you know putting him in the trunk of the car um and they go out there with nimrod the doctor and him and he's like you know we found out that you're uh what do you call it a reporter and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna take our turns on us and he's like this is the doctor this is nimrod he can gut somebody you know in 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 time um it's gonna be a long night kind of a deal um, like, oh, that's just creepy. So we get to uh, Funland, who's at the disco, and he's telling about the special place that he has, Joe. And he goes, and there's children. They go wandering off. And basically, you know, you can find quiet places with them. And in the end, they kind of hush it up because the park doesn't want anybody to know. Joe, do you know that it originally wasn't Funland in the original draft? Well, be, okay, before we get to that, I just want to mention, of course, when they get the uh, writer for, um, what was it, Chased Magazine or whatever it was, mm-hmm. that final panel where um, uh, Corinthian says that he, the Doctor, and Nimrod are going to take turns, mm-hmm. such a fantastic panel. Right, all the faces are blacked out, and all you can see is the smiles. Yes. Oh, so good. Now, but, the bit with Funland, as you mentioned, he's wearing, like, a little hat that looks like he has, like, wolf ears, right? Yep, yep. Um, Little triangles on top of his hat. I have a feeling in some early drafts of this, those triangles might have been circles. Yes, yes. And maybe <laughs> that wolf may have been a mouse. <laughs> But Neil said this was the one he's like, he got the notes and it wasn't them telling him to change it, but he knew what they wanted. Um, They were afraid. They were afraid. So he ended up changing it to uh, the wolf ears, fun land and the wolf on the shirt. But he says, you know what? In the end, I love it even more because he, he had the, big bad wolf story in there and this brings it around to everything you know it's like poetry because it rhymes you know what i mean and what fun land's gonna kind of do later um and he ends up meeting uh rose and he's like oh you're you're you know uh, a cute one but there you know you can't be here because she wants to go to the disco um and Funland in a thing, he's like, you know, because he's a big dumb child kind of a thing. He's like, Moon River. And this is one of the creepiest lines in this of everything that's going on. How old would you say she was, that little girl? And you're like, no grown man should ever ask that question, Joe. Never. Oof. And he's like, I think she's 17, maybe 18. He's like, yeah, but she looks younger. Much younger. Um, ugh. So... Right, so we get a little bit more of like, you know, we get like, I, I like the bits here where they flesh out some of the other serial killers, like socializing with each other, you know, like, oh, you only killed eight people, you're a piker, well, this guy, he needs very specific, 
He's the connoisseur. He will only kill very specific people mm-hmm. under specific circumstances. It's not so much about the number and the money or whatever it is, but it's 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 interesting to see Neil tackle all these sort of things and give this additional information. We see the Corinthian and the crew coming back uh, from what they did to the reporter, and uh, he met the, the Corinthian says that they've got he's got a surprise in the trunk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And stupid me, it's at this point where I realize that like oh, he's got Jed in the trunk, right? Yeah, because we haven't seen Jed for the whole issue. Right, we see Jed at the end of issue twelve or whatever it was. We get the hobgalding thing for thirteen, and now we get this, and obviously we get that misdirect to forget about Jed. But obviously, because Rose the Vortex, which we also don't really hammer on too too much, but we're aware, um, everything is being drawn to her, right? Right. And Rose wakes up in the morning, and she sees that Gilbert is gone. Gone, gone from his room. Kind of abandoning her there. But, you know, he when he sees the Corinthian, as you mentioned before, and he gives Rose that name on the piece of paper, not to say it unless you're really in trouble, um, seeing the Corinthian, Gilbert knows the jig is up. Right. Um, I will say this to backtrack just a little bit. The connoisseur um, in this, because he's kind of a certain, the people he goes after, I'm trying to do this delicately. Right. um, And he's only killed seven of them. uh, They took this completely out of the story. And I wonder if it's because of who he preyed on. They didn't want any, you know what I mean? What do you mean they took this out of the, the, the the connoisseur isn't mentioned. In the TV show. Oh, in the TV show. I'm like, in the book? I'm like, I'm reading it right here. No, in the TV show, because I think they pulled it away because they didn't want to have a killer who went after this type of people in this I day com- and age. I, I completely understand, Todd. Right. But that's what I'm thinking. But I just want you to remember, I don't know how many issues it's going to be. I will mention the connoisseur later on down the line. I don't know if you remember why, but it's such a small thing. But it's when we get to it, I will mention it. But it's one of the things. It's when I noticed what made this book great and i didn't realize it before i know that's very vague but we'll get there you know what i mean all right we'll get there but i'm with you on all of that like leading to all this like kind of a kind of a deal and then we get to see more of the panels um i like the women in in serial killing it's like i'm sick and tired of women being stereotypes and black widows or nurses i'm a serial killer and proud of it um there's no sanity clause, which is a great line from a Marx Brothers film. Um, and now we're we're uh, getting into like Funland talking to another guy. And this guy, in all of the crazy serial killers, I I don't want to say I feel bad for him because he's a serial killer, but I feel sad for him because he's kind of uh, just sad. Where everybody else is wacky and zany or creepy, this guy is just sad. And this was the only other thing that was changed in the book, too. Because he basically ends up talking about um, you know, uh, I, I get myself kind of, you know, I gratify myself, but then it would be too strong and I'd have to go. I, and I'd go out and buy you know, a skin mag in another city where no one would knew me. And then he he would go on and then it was like, but in, in the end he has to give in to his urges. This was originally written as he was going to talk the whole way. And it made you feel like he was talking about self gratification, if you will. And then in the end, it's a shocking reveal 
that he's talking about murder. When he gives in, he can't help himself anymore and he has to do it. It's about murder. And it's kind of a, a misdirect. And Neil goes, that was one of the only other things that he got the memo. He goes, characters in the DC universe don't do self-gratification. They just don't. Which brings me around to remember when they did that bit where Batman was supposed to be with Catwoman and they're like, Batman doesn't do that. Like they had this mentality 30 years ago, Joe, and it blows my mind that in the book of everything that went on, I get the Disney change. You don't want that lawsuit, but not to do that in this book because DC characters, when you're this far gone in what's going on in this book. But, For sure. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at as the thing. And I like this guy ends up in his, in his, in his thing. And he goes, and I'm mad that in the end, nobody really wants to help me and no one's interested. And Funland just blows him off because he ends up thinking about uh, Rose and she gets a knock on the door and she's thinking about the note and in barges the big bad wolf, Joe. Um, and he's like, you know, this talking about her, he's like, and she's, he's mad because Nimrod doesn't want him to play with her. And he's like, uh, uh, She's like, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap, little girl. And she ends up saying Morpheus. And he's like, I hope that's something dirt, not dirty. So I don't like dirty little girls. And in comes Morpheus. And he's like, let go of her now. Um, and she's not yours. And we get his name is Nathan. He's like, dream. And he ends up dreaming like that creepy dream that little kids are, you know, will be with the big giant. And I'm like. Oh my God, I don't know which character is the worst in all of this, you know? So we cut to the speech that the Corinthian has to give, and he's like talking about how, you know, uh, we're special. Basically, I'm not going to go over everything he says unless you want to touch on anything in the speech, but he's like talking about how special they are. And that's when he realizes that Morpheus is in the crowd and he just gives us a speech. He's like, you disappoint me. You were one of my masterpieces. You were created to put the fear of darkness in the hearts of people. You were a mirror to like everything. Um, you, you were supposed to be nothing, something special, but you're not, you're not, you're, you're, you told them that there are bad people out there and we've known that all along kind of a deal. You're like, you're messing up everything I made you to be. And he's like, so what are you going to do? You're going to take me back to the dreaming. I'm never going back. He's like, not that I know the delights of a sweet boy's eyes as it pops in my eyes. And this is the first time we got the full look of the, the Corinthian with the glasses off with the teeth for eyes. Um, and he's like, he's like, Put on your helm. Let's do this. Let's do the dance. He's like, uh, I've learned the arts of pain and war. And he's like, no, we're not going to do this. Um, you're going back. Uh, you should not go back to the dreaming. It's my fault. I'm just going to uncreate you. And he basically makes them dissolve. And all that's left is a tiny little, uh, tiny, tiny little skull that has the little teeth in the eyes. And I like it. And he basically ends up saying to people, you know, you call yourself collectors. You have these fantasies. From this day, you all think you're like uh, like something else. Um, from I've taken the dream away. This is my judgment on you. From now on and forever, you know exactly what you are. And just know how little that means. Now leave. Um, and that's when Gilbert shows up 
with to Rose that he's found his brother. He heard him sobbing in the trunk of the car. Um, and he's like, you called him, didn't you? He's like, there's going to be consequences from that for both of us. But uh, and the, I think we should call an ambulance for the boy. Um, and Rose is like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And then they end up showing that the, like the, the collectors, if you will, scampering off into the into the world as the convention ends kind of a deal changed from what the Sandman has done to him. Um, this, I, I love this issue. This issue is, is pure horror, Joe. I love this issue too. Um, like I said, it definitely like, you know, when I was doing the page count, this is a much bigger issue than normal, mm-hmm. uh, feels over your standard 20 to 22 pages. Um, I love the way that it's bookended. Um, you know, obviously with the establishing shot of the hotel, the people coming to it on the first page, the people leaving it very much different, very much changed than they were uh, when they first showed up, not knowing what they had expected. And I love the portrayal of the Corinthian in this more than I do in the TV show. Right, because he seems like a southern gentleman in the TV show. Well, it's not so much as that. It's In the TV show, he's presented as the big bad, who is the one who is constantly moving throughout things, pulling the strings to make sure that Morpheus falls into the trap and that he can continue to go out and do the things that he does. And I think there's a line specifically... Um, you know, where Morpheus is doing his whole big thing. He says, for 40 years, you've been walking the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So in the TV show, the Corinthian is out doing his thing when Morpheus gets captured. Oh, yeah, that's why he uh, definitely, yes. And I like this portrayal. It kind of makes him a little bit more special that he's like this thing that only gets a little bit. And he, he the Corinthian comes back much, 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 much later. Mm-hmm. But it's not this version of the Corinthian. It's another version of the Corinthian. It's just, I, I didn't like that. And I understand why the TV show needed to have a through line of a big bad. I just didn't like that they did it with the Corinthian. I think they could have done someone else. This portrayal of the Corinthian is much better. Right, right. And I do like, because uh, in this, like, some of the stuff that I heard Neil talk about this issue, he's like, at this time, like, he wanted to do this to show you how terrible serial killers are. Not that we needed to see that. Right. But he said, this is 19, like, 88, 89 kind of a deal. And he goes, and I saw it on the come up, where we were starting to make serial killers rock stars, but we weren't at that point. But you could see it coming. And he goes, and I wanted to tell the story like he wanted to get a jump start on it because he thought this is where it was going, but he also wanted to tell what he thought of it. And I, I thought, I thought that fascinating because of where, like, literally, that was the way it is. Like now, every other month on Netflix, there's a Dahmer special or a Ted Bundy special, and we're like, we're fixated. And I remember at this time there was like really only like Ted Bundy. And maybe and maybe like a couple others that we that the 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 strangler and what was the other guy the guy the Ramirez the Richard Ramirez Richard Ramirez like we were st- but now they're they're a dime a dozen you know what I mean and we're we can't consume it fast enough um so I like where the story is told and the place and time that and everything behind it that he says you know right. But so good I, I'll try to dial it back now we had a long two issue stuff run there right. And then the next two issues that we have are like 
a two issue epilogue for this, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You you know usually because like this feels very finite. We need to wrap up Rose's story, but Rose's story is so big it needs two issues to get wrapped up, and that's what we're going to be talking about here next week. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm enjoying. I love rereading this. Um, you know, there was a time and a place where I would reread a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, much, much more often, and I'm enjoying getting a chance to reread Sandman, and I hope you, the listeners as well, uh, getting a chance to read it for the first time, the second time, or the hundredth time, you know? Right. I'm enjoying you enjoying Sandman, Joe. There you go. Perfect way to end the show. Again, thank you everyone for listening. This was episode 645 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.